Welcome to another episode of Pioneers as Pretenders in the house. Well, is this, can we call this a house? Yeah, it's got a roof, right? And yeah. Walls. <laughs> in the house, we've got Hussein van Ruiz. Um, he is a relations manager. He is an influencer. He is a creative consultant. Dude, is your yeah. beard real? Like, <laughs> is, is it organic? Let's start No, here. I keep it in the car. Every time I leave my car, I put it back on. I, I thought as much. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, bro? I'm alright, G. I'm alright. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, it's awesome, man. Uh, thank you for actually coming. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I'm 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 really excited to to be talking to you today. Yeah. There's so much that you're actually doing. Um, Sometimes I lose track. Yeah, actually, hey, <laughs> I think I've experienced this sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I lose track. Uh, but yeah, uh, so you've been referred to as the Josie gatekeeper. How yeah. Did, how did that really come about? Dude, I used to, I mean, I'm born and bred in, in Johannesburg. And my old man, who's a very big influence on me, <clears throat> actually said to me once that, don't claim to belong to an area or an organization if you don't know anything about it. Mm. And I took it upon myself to actually make sure that I know everything that happens in the city. In a sense that if anyone from anywhere in the world could ask me, hey, do you know if this, this and that is happening in Joburg? I'll be like, yeah, if I don't know about it, then it's not worth doing. Um, and for the past couple of years, probably five, six years, I've just made it my business to know exactly who's who in the city and who does what in the city. Um, because at the end of the day, I think it also helps in managing relationships, especially for brands, for myself and the creative community at large. I know that I also made quite a few like friends when we had uh, Fixing Diaries, which was a cycling company, which was basically my in into the creative space and the creative world. Mm. And from then on, everything just started skyrocketing. Mm. Yeah. You mentioned Fixing Diaries. What was that all about? Fixing Diaries was a social cycling company that myself and three other friends started mm-hmm. back in 2013, 2014. Um, I say 2014 because I remember that's the year we actually registered the company. Mm. You know, when the banks now ask you security check, yeah. they actually ask you about companies that you are mm-hmm. directors of and whatnot. So that's the only reason I know. Mm. Um so it was a social cycling company that was focused around breaking the stereotypes around cycling in general, mm. because cycling has been for quite a while been a white male dominated sports. And we wanted to make it recreational and make it accessible for guys mm. who live in Soweto. Mm. And they had a successful two year run. We opened up a pop-up store in Melville um, alongside a, a very famous brand, Puma. And then we closed off the pop-up store and then we opened up another uh, standalone store at Constitution Hill, thanks to the CEO, who basically believes in us Mm. quite a lot. And the store is still there, but now I'm actually looking at moving it into the new hustling bustling space, which is um, a space owned by Nando's. Victoria Arts. Victoria Arts. That's the one. So that's where we're looking at moving now. But yeah, that was Fixing Diaries in a nutshell. I... I mean, it gave us a, a global exposure as a brand and as a company. Uh, Puma is a global brand. We created rides. We created a ladies' brunch and ride, which we're still looking at 
trying to build again on ladies branch and ride is basically to get a lot of ladies to basically start riding bicycles for leisure or sports whatever the case may be but um also that's had like a a very beautiful run Mm. and uh, we've done some amazing collaborations through that with uh, garden day i'm looking at doing a couple more i mean yeah that's fixing diaries in a nutshell i like that um from 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 fixing diaries there's a very strong element of community and over the years everything that you've kind of touched even the brands that you're currently working with and and what you're building is also based around that yeah why look like i said growing up in in soviet to johannesburg my grandfather very big influence on me he also made me watch a lot of mafia movies you know Mm -hmm. And I realized, yeah, he made me watch a lot of them, dude. So from Goodfellas to like all these beautiful mafia-esque movies. But the one thing that I realized throughout watching every single different film is the fact that there is a sense of community and a sense of brotherhood Mm. and how they operate it. So in my head, I was just like, what is stopping me to create a cult or rather a creative mafia? who is focused around helping each other in a creative space mm-hmm. as best as you can. And sometimes not for me to expect anything in return, but just to assist, to ensure that your creative hustle actually pushes further and grows beyond what you're actually thinking. Mm-hmm. And I mean, now my biggest focus is the creative <coughs> mafia. Um, basically a database of creatives that are in the city so that the brands that I work with could at least tap into them for any work that they want to commission. If I have any work that I need to commission, I know that just by touch of a or click of a button, mm. I can actually find those people and easily access them. Do you always think, like growing up, do you always think you were going to be um, playing in the in the entertainment, in the lifestyle, in the fashion space <laughs> dude because funny like thing. some of us actually think you're a stylist <laughs> dude funny thing i like growing up um my grandfather was a very like white collar kind of guy huh. and he literally i had to go to varsity and study it i worked for bloody bank for you study it yes, yes. and i had to work for the bank i well, i worked for the bank for about eight years Dude, make some good I, money. Dude, I never thought. Like for me, I actually never thought I'd find myself in a creative space. However, whilst working for the bank, I always had a knack for style and looking good. And I was always different from everyone. Like mm. if we sit in a boardroom and I look around the table, I then realized that actually <laughs> some of you guys here yeah, did not know. know. Yeah, and. With that, then the the wave of preppy dressing came across came came around, and I started dressing preppy. Um, did a lot of research just for myself, you know. And I I remember random Saturdays I'd just dress up and go hang out in the then creative hustle and bustle, which is Brown, just to hang out at neighborhoods, meet new people. That was literally my Saturday, and then go hang out at Great Dane, leave Great Dane. I mean, I saw Great Dane in its inception, which is amazing. Mm. Um, yeah, that was my life. And whilst I was at the bank, people kept on saying to me, dude, you don't belong here. You don't belong <laughs> here. And how I managed to basically 
get into the creative space was I shadowed the then marketing director for the bank mm. who basically kept on saying to me she doesn't want to see me here because my brain just thinks a different way. Um, I always think of creative ways to fix things, to <laughs> come up with stuff. And she's like, what the hell are you still doing here? You know? Mm. But with that being said, whilst I was busy shadowing her, I then enrolled at uh, Boston Media. Mm -hmm. I did about two years with them. And I remember I had a fallout with one of the radio subject um, professors. And I told him off. Yeah. You were a naughty child, eh? I, yeah, I was. Definitely was. <laughs> Got expelled from a couple of schools. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I was a naughty child. But, yeah, I, I told the guy off. And I remember that, that's when my life kind of like changed. Because then I realized that that institution had nothing to offer me. Mm. I had already learned what I needed to learn around the media space, around... Uh, marketing per se mm -hmm. and I just took it upon myself to just start buying books and self-teaching did some online courses on marketing on strategy mm -hmm. and just creative thinking and yeah self-taught creative actually what do you think was the turning point for you like what was that mind shift that pushed you to say I actually want to start now creating for myself because I have this gift, I have this talent, or I feel yeah. it in my gut. Dude, I I just got tired, man. At working eight years in a bank and you're just being pulled this way and that way and you're restricted from thinking creatively. Hmm. It just never made sense to me. Like, why am I in this institution? We can see that this thing is not going to work, but we still do it, um, expecting a different result. And I realized that actually I need to change that for myself. And yeah, it wasn't an overnight thing because for years and months, sleepless nights, like and what, what happens when I leave here? Do I have a plan? You know, what is the one thing that I can fall back onto? And I remember my very first creative, um, well, my very first consulting gig in the creative space was for a sock company. Okay. And... Yeah, it was weird. I was actually, I was actually just there to drop off to drop off props. They needed bikes for me for a shoot, okay. and I got there. And the photographer says to me, who's a very good friend of mine, says to me, "Dude, my one model, the male model, is not coming because mm. he's sick, and the brand director's here. Do you mind filling in?" Yeah. I'm like, "Dude, I don't even know what to do," you know. <laughs> And then he says, "Dude, you just put on the socks and just be you." Mm. I'm like, "Okay, cool." did that and whilst i was there started because i i love meeting new people and then i started chatting to the brand director mm. and she said to me dude it was end of the year i remember and she said to me dude following year right about january come to our offices let's have a chat a coffee mm. and see how we can work okay and that's how i got my my gig as a brand ambassador for ben sherman really yeah literally it was just a conversation this um, it was just a conversation where we found both of ourselves interesting to each other. And she's like, dude, come through. I went through to the offices, sat down with them. They already had an offer on the table. They're like, this is the offer. I was like, because I didn't know any better. Exactly. I was like, geez, yeah. okay. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it, you know. And from then on, uh, dude, I, I became the brand ambassador for about a year, attending the events, mm. doing the conferences. But I actually didn't know what my responsibilities were and mm. I never asked because I was too excited but then I was like actually 
maybe I can tap into this relationship and actually start building a property out of it. Mm. And then came the long, like haunting idea of the creative mafia. And it just kept on occupying my mind space, my mind space. And from then on, I then launched it first initially as a platform called Gentle Brothers. Mm. And the very first event I hosted for Gentle Brothers was so heartwarming for me because I had a generational thing. My grandfather, my father, then mm. was me, my brothers and my friends at large all came to one place in Soweto in suits and dressed up. I had a chef. We decked out the entire yard outside, which was amazing. And it was a different thing for people around my, the neighborhood to mm. see. And Gentle Brothers was actually... It was also founded on the on the values or basis that I needed to show the young boys in the hood or in my neighborhood mm. that there's alternative ways to live your life. And it starts with the kind of lifestyle that you lead. Mm. And yeah. And then Gentle Brothers just kept on flying and flying. And then fast forward four events in, I then realized that a lot of the women that... I know and are around me and who are creative started saying to me, dude, why are you not including mm. us as women? And I had to re <laughs> rehash the entire concept, which is now known as uh, creative mafia. Uh -huh. And yeah, geez, I think that's about it. You, you've, you mentioned your grandfather more than like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 10,000 times. <laughs> and you also mentioned your father. Yeah. Um, has, has their influence in your life almost like um, structured you to become a more like like a better gentleman has it changed how you perceive and treat the woman around you dude it has uh, especially my because I've seen I've seen the relationship between my grandmother and my grandfather mm. uh, may the beautiful souls rest in peace those two were actually very pivotal in grooming the sort of man that I, I am mm. I never really had much of a relationship with my dad Still don't. I know him. He knows me. We chat. That's just about it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my grandfather is actually the one guy who has been a father to me, has been a brother. He's been everything to me and he's taught me everything that he could have um, around being a gentleman, yeah. around having a good heart, around just, you know, day-to-day -day, uh, methods of treating people and receiving people mm. because I think the biggest thing that people don't actually know how to do is to be human you know mm. and I think my grandfather did with my grandmother I mean my grandmother was the strictest of the both of them but my grandfather would always try and tackle the men part of things in mm. my life and my grandmother taught me everything I know about the kitchen mm. I mean I cook I bake because of her you know um, so they've been very pivotal in my upbringing and I will, I think I will continue mentioning my old man because he's, I'm him, he's me, mm. you know? Mm. And when he passed just recently, I actually kept on asking myself, did I do enough for this man? Mm. Um, was there more that I could have done? But I still can't get to that answer, <laughs> you know? I still can't. It's crazy. But yeah. Um, I love that just going back to this thing of community because i think it's so beautiful when you can take 
a brand like Ben Sherman, yeah. you know, bring it back to the hood. Yeah. You know, something that it seemed like so far-fetched for people around in that space True. and be like, actually, this is possible. Yeah. How are you um, changing that, the Gassi narrative with everything that you're doing? So I think for me, um, and this is a, my, my own opinion and it's through like hours of research, is that I realized that in the past couple of years, marketing companies or agencies have been always focused on the LSMs mm. and, 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 but what they then missed is the fact that Soweto, for instance, has its own little economy going on mm. and whatever the buying power has shifted immensely. A lot more people in, in, in Soweto are getting exposed to a lot of uh, lifestyle orientated brands. And they want to be part of that exchange, but they can't be if the brands are not marketing in those spaces. And for me, representing Soweto and telling brands about Soweto quite a lot makes them realize that Soweto is no longer a township, but rather it's a city with mm. its own economy. Yeah. And people are willing to, you know, they have that buying power, they are willing to purchase. And I think with me, just by doing the little things that I can for my hood, I think it, it then allows me to expose these brands to those spaces and in doing so it exposes my hood into the global sphere and the global space because i i um, I, I think now people globally still think so it was a very dangerous space it actually isn't mm. in fact it is a modern city that has a lot of uh, potential and I'm seeing a lot of the potential come out right now. And I'm actually kind of glad that a lot more people in Soweto are reinvesting back into the economy in Soweto. So the little that I do in representing my neighborhood as best mm. as I can, I think that does enough. Mm. Yeah. You know, with building or conceptualizing anything, be it an idea or actually putting together a business or a lifestyle um, experience, there's certain challenges, especially in the type of landscape that we are in yeah. right, right now. What, what has been some of the challenges that you have facing in creating what you're doing right now? Whew. Firstly, sleepless nights, boy. <laughs> <laughs> we all have this. <laughs> Sleepless nights, um, especially you and I, because yeah. I know we stay up like yeah, two or like three crazy. in the morning, and Dude. we just like passing it's briefs. Insane. It's insane. Um, but beyond sleepless nights, I think pushback from brands who don't actually understand that taking that leap of faith or j taking that jump or that risk is actually the best thing you can ever do for your brand. Um, and especially brands who are over 300 years old, who are over 200 years old and have been doing things a certain way and it's always worked for them. I think my biggest, um, yeah, my biggest pushbacks are from brands who don't actually want to take that leap of faith. And uh, yeah, do you think it's because they feel like we're a risk or they don't understand our concepts and ideas? I, I think that they just don't understand the concept and ideas. I've just been very lucky that all the brands that I have been working with are actually very open and they trust in my creative process. So it's always been uh, wonderful and very refreshing. Um, the biggest one, like I mentioned, is just sleepless nights and also just getting brands that are pushing back on ideas that we actually have. Do you not think for a brand to believe and be confident in your ideas, the certain processes that you personally have to take in convincing that specific brand to buy into No, 100%. 100%. I mean, if you're just doing it so that you can get paid, 
and not because you want to create a legacy or something that's long lasting that people are not speak about five years later, mm. then you will be pitching something that you don't actually believe in. What goes into creating a legacy? Let's actually <laughs> What goes into creating a legacy? Jeez, uh, dude. I'm really focused on Can I tell how? you something? Can I tell you? I think with me, um, and I'm going to go back to um, the piece of, creative, of, of legacy work that I think we created for Ben Sherman. I was with my girlfriend and we were away on a vacation. Mm. Um, and that's when I realized that my creative process or creative thinking actually expands. And I wanted a story that was very original. I wanted a story that people could actually relate to for a brand that is what that was conceived unrelatable to. Mm. And the only way was for me to tell a true and genuine story about me and my values and how I got my values, which I then took real people to actually act out those values, which was my grandfather, myself, with my girlfriend who produced the film. And we conceptualized it alongside with Ben Sherman. They literally believed in what I pitched to them because when I told them what the idea was, it came from my heart. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a matter of, I just want you to pay me so that I can make money off you. No, it was more of a... I want to create this piece of work because I believe that it's fitting for the brand. It's then that piece of work then got me to go to London to go present it to the global team at the conference. And people were in tears because it was a true genuine story. Mm. It was a story about my grandfather, a man who had so much influence on me. And it was then a story about me and how I'm taking the values that is given to me and living them throughout my life and how I engage with people. So I think to answer what you've asked me, creating a piece of legacy work needs to come from the heart. It needs to be relatable and it needs to be original. Don't take fake people to come and do original people's work. Mm. You need to find original people to tell that story. Mm. And that's it in a nutshell. like because of the social media age and the digital age as entrepreneurs or as content creators we have lost that that space of creating from purpose creating from originality and authenticity yeah because everyone wants to be an influencer now man everyone wants to work with big brands everyone wants to know how they work with big brands. And I think the, the biggest mistake is that you shouldn't be looking at working with big brands, but brands should be looking at working with you. Because if you keep your voice on social media as original as you are as a human being, then it's so much easier for brands to actually see that you're actually an original person. Mm. And more often than not, people will call me or send me inboxes saying, hey, I like your page this, this, and that. I want to know how I work with brands. Can you please mentor me? Can you do this and you do that? I'm like, dude, I don't even know how I'm going to mentor you. Where am I going to start? What am I going to do? You know? But I think people need to stop doing that. And people just need to keep their voices original on social media. And everything else will follow, man. Mm. Everything else will follow. And if you, if you decide what it is that you want to create for yourself... 
and you focus on that and you and you build on it and again you you hone your skill you do the research you build on it it's so much easier for brands to actually align themselves to you because then it would be easier for them to see that oh okay Joe is actually being original yeah this is Joe this is Joe's life I think our brand will fit and you will just see them coming to you instead of the other way around and I think it also um clears out the clutter in terms of the type of brands that approach you exactly because then you start maybe attracting the right and also it it makes it easier for you to push back on brands that you actually don't want to work with Mm. and you'll be like oh no guys i'm okay (laughs) and you look and you carry on because i think at the end of the day the social media influencers that i see more often than not work with so many brands that will Mm. clash and it just doesn't make sense to me like work with brands that you actually believe in work with brands that that actually represent who you are because more often than not people will work with brands and I look and I'm just like okay but so you're saying like with that I have I have a kind of theory and I think it plays really well into the into the in um, the influencer space and also into the entrepreneurial space Mm -hmm. being a person of color right Mm -hmm. um someone who did not have as much opportunities yeah. as they they would have wanted back in the day, right? Yeah. When a brand comes to you and says, look, we're going to give you 5K for yeah. two Instagram posts, yeah. right? You're already, let's say you're in a space of disadvantage already yeah, because yeah. maybe you don't have the money, you want to make ends meet and stuff like that. Yeah. You're, you're prone to accept that deal even though it would not make sense and I'm speaking this from yeah. experience because cool. I've worked with an alcohol brand sometime last year. Yeah. And that was that was a space that I was in. Even though it did not work for my brand and for my audience, I was like, you but know because what? Because you're in a space yes, where you needed the money. L- let me just take it. And it, I think it's the same thing that happens in entrepreneurship where you, you know that, look, this is how much I need to charge for the service. Yeah. But... This is the only client I have right now. Yeah. And this is their budget. True. Let me take it. So how do you get to that point so where you're like where you push back? Where you push back? Okay, that's a very interesting question and as well from experience. But what I what I then what I have to say on that part is that always try and look for longevity. So even mm. if they come to you and they say, uh, we've only got so much budget and you know that you are in a tiff, you need the money or whatever the case may be. But try and structure your response to the brand in such a way that you get a, a value proposition or rather, no, a value, some sort of value for your own brand that you're building. Mm. So, yes, pay me the 5K, I'll do your two Instagram posts. But in future, how I've got a concept I want to throw, I want to host a dinner. Can you guys support me for it? Mm. And in that way, you can host the dinner and invite the people that you actually aspire to be like or people that you actually want to associate with so that you can build your own personal brand Mm. so an alcohol company they will jump at doing that because then they'll know you'll probably have the who's who's in the creative space coming Mm. to sit down with you to break bread with you Um, or you want to host an event where their brand will be highlighted so for Mm. them they're getting the value and for you you're also getting value in the sense that 
now the two your two brands have aligned and mm. now you've built a relationship post you being paid 5k for those two Instagram posts mm. um, and as time goes along I mean now I'm in conversations with the brand which I cannot mention as yet <laughs> where I'm, I'm looking at creating well it's fine because I, I think I need to start charging people for advertising <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like for me dude I like I always look at I look beyond the the money part of it mm. yes we all need to eat we all need to break bread we all need to get paid and I totally understand it and what is the it, it's futile for me to actually sit here and say no the money doesn't matter because the money actually does matter but I think for me building a legacy and making sure that your relationship with the brand that you'll be working with or mm. have worked with actually lasts longer um, so that six years from now people are like are you still with that brand you're like yeah I'm still with them because I understand the value proposition between the two brands. Mm. And being associated with a brand that's over 300 years old is great for me because it means my brand is now globally exposed. Exactly. You know, it's globally exposed and I can literally say I'm a global citizen because of the relationship that I've honed and built along the years with that specific brand. Mm. So like I've, I've seen... I've, like I said, like I've seen people just work with brands once off and I can realize that, okay, cool, got paid 100%. But that payment, how long is it going to last? Exactly. It's not sustainable. You know, how long is it going to last? Because you only did it once. Like I've had a, a brand send me product for so many years, but it's because I love the brand and I still like receive the products. I'll maybe do one post on stories just to say, ah, oh, I love you guys. Mm. And then I'll tag you guys. Now we've started, we're in conversation about, hey, we want you to be part of our um, creative team so that mm. you can think about how to conceptualize these things so that influencers can come on board, mm. which will pay and will pay you a consultation fee. So for me, that is, it just came from me consistently speaking about this brand without them even knowing, but just tagging. But always know that someone is always watching. Mm. Yeah. Do you believe in, in, in giving value first before receiving anything else from 100% that's how, that's how I live my life mm. there has to be there has to be a, a value proposition into anything that I any relationship that I'm trying to build especially when it comes to work like what what am I bringing to the table you know instead of just expecting to receive 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 what's the quota on that because let's say you really want to get into a specific space with someone or a brand and if that's how you go about things, you're obviously willing to give. So when do you know when it's time to actually stop giving and start receiving? Mm -hmm. It's a very tricky one. <laughs> you know, I've just been very lucky, dude. I've been lucky and I've been blessed in, in such a way that it, I don't, it doesn't like this brand I was mentioning earlier on. Um, I've probably been speaking about them for a couple of months mm. and now they've come back to me saying, hey, we've seen what you've been doing for our brand. We enjoy it because you original in how you do it. So we'd like you to please consult on it and tell us how to approach, you know, working with the brand. And you, you feel it, man. Mm. I think just to answer your question, you feel it when your efforts are futile. You feel it. You just like, you know what? 
I've been doing this thing. And that's why I said it's just like how I decided to leave the bankers because my efforts of trying to change their way of thinking just didn't work anymore. And the best way for me to do it was just to decide on my own that actually, you know what, I'm actually tired. And when you decide, it will be so conflicting to you because it's going to be like you're at the crossroads. You don't know if you must go left or go right. But there is the one thing that will always tell you, your gut feeling will always tell you which is the right way to take. And as you take that right turn, and that's the right way, you will still find another juncture where you are now questioning yourself if you made the right decision. But then things will just start falling into place. And then you move on from that. So for me, yes, gives the value, but also have your own quota. I mean, we are different, all of us. Hmm. And you will realize that I've done this 10 times and there's no response. Cheers, bye. How do you, how do you stay consistent? How do you stay ahead of... I stay original, bro. And I always look, like for me, you know, we're in the age of the internet and research is everywhere. So I always try, like, simple things, like, I know I work with a car brand, I work with a clothing company, so I, like, I can't say I belong in those spaces if I don't actually know what's happening in those spaces right now. Like, I can give you 10 top um, um, motoring adverts that um, basically by, are by far one of the best that have been done. Mm. One, there was the one for Volvo with uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Mm. Something split where he was standing on two trucks and the trucks were seamlessly just driving and splitting him. Mm. And then there was another one where BMW tapped into an app. Dude, there's so many. Like, I need to... These are things that I need to always constantly be researching on because <clears throat> I need to understand what is the next big wave, what's, going to, what's taking shape, where are we going from here. And the internet has made information so much easier to access and just keeping up to date i mean there's feeds rss feeds that you can sync to your phone to your, so mm-hmm. that you can get articles that you can read you know um there's a great um uh, there's a great um blog or rather a magazine locally that people can also go on to so that they can understand what's happening in the advertising space what the shifts are looking like those are things that you keep up to date with because then it makes your originality or your voice very much easier because then you can tap into the current or happening conversation so much easier. And I think that alone gives you value because then it tells people that you actually know Mm. what is going on around you and you can freely speak about it. I'm just not a big Twitter person, but I've, I've, on Twitter, I'll go check the hashtags what's trending just so that I can catch up with my news Mm. because I don't have time to watch news on TV. Yeah. unfortunately so i just go i just go to people who are actually conversating about whatever topic is mm. trending or is burning in the country and i'll easily get the news mm. so i think for me staying consistent is about being you all the time mm. man it's been an awesome conversation <laughs> Yeah, it's been crazy. Thank you so much for coming. Well, thanks Um, for having me, brother. Closing off here. Yeah. Um, what, what's next for I'm Hussein? Uh, I am Hussein is gonna have a digital platform where it's gonna host the Creative Mafia, and basically there will be the eyes and ears of the Creative Mafia. It's gonna host a bunch of other things. There are products that are gonna come through out of I am Hussein. Um, 
all the client work that we have been creating for the past couple of months will also be hosted on there. I am saying basically now is going to be an inspirational kind of, I don't want to say magazine, but like a Bible mm-hmm. on how to be a creative and a creative gentleman or a creative lady. And it's going to host a bunch of things on it. But um, yeah, and just expose people to the world, man. Mm. Just expose people to the world. And I think I've made so many connections around the globe that I think it's time for me to actually share it with the world because I actually know that those relationships aren't useless or futile. They are actually very valuable and people will actually be able to use those relationships. It's up to you how you use them. Mm. Just reach out and we'll help you out. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, man, for coming. Shoot. <laughs> Thanks for having me, brother. We're out. See you guys in the next episode.